mostly space because we're on Skype again this week and hopefully it sounds better than the last time. Please welcome Stuart Late. Oh, and me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm and, Natalie. And, and Natalie Bohensky. Thanks, Stu. Thanks for the intro. Quite no, 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 no worries at all. That is, uh, that's a long time coming, I think. I should get you to intro me more often. It just sounds so much more professional <laughs> when you do it. Oh, I don't think so. I think uh, we're both the same level of shambolic this evening. Oh, what's going on? My microphone. So just to let everyone know, we're trialing recording via Skype this time. And my just microphone peel back the is curtain. Skype. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Letting everyone see the magical, powerful Wizard of Oz. But um, yes, my microphone is sort of playing funny buggers, swapping between my podcasting mic and the computer mic. So if there are some technical shenanigans, that is why. Everything, as always, is perfect on Stu's end. It's just me causing all the trouble. <laughs> so, Well, to be fair, all I have to do is plug in a microphone and sit back and, and wait for you to get all the technical gremlins sorted out. But <laughs> all, the, all the nasty patings on your end. It's not technical gremlins, Stu. You know what it is? What it's is it? witchcraft. It sure is. The Witchfinders, this week's episode of Doctor Who. We're going to talk yes. about it. Sure I are. That's, that's our intention. Otherwise, I'm not sure what we're doing. Yeah. Well, hey, what? You're just not happy to just hang out and Skype? I hey, feel look, so... I mean, you know, I am, but I don't I don't think we should record it for an hour. <laughs> I thought that's kind of what this podcast was, just us hanging oh, out. <laughs> that's basically it, yes. <laughs> well, yes. Um, we have had Doctor Who and the Witches this week, not the Roald Dahl Witches or the Harry Potter JK Rowling Witches. Rowling, Rowling, it's Rowling. But the original witches, Lancashire witches, in fact, and I was yes. really, really excited when it turned out they uh, turned up in Lancashire because I'm a big fan of the fan of the Pendle witches story, as much as you can be a fan of, you know, the persecution of women. But anyway, um, <laughs> I think I mentioned last week or the week before about the huge amounts of uh, medieval woodcuts and interesting drawings and so forth that I yes, now, did, did this live up to your woodcuts? Look, no, there wasn't enough full frontal male nudity, but at the mm. same time... So for you and King James. Cumming. Yeah, exactly. I'm pretty sure Alan Cumming and King James, either persona, would have been much more impressed with full frontal male nudity. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I think I probably have to say off the bat, I think my favourite episode so far this season, uh, this episode. Pretty, yeah, me, me too. And <laughs> these podcasts always go well when we absolutely agree on every point. But uh, the the whole idea, this has been such a a patchy season with episodes sort of undermining themselves and all that sort of thing. It was nice to just get an episode that was good. Yeah, uh, and, and don't I, I get thought, me wrong. I'll disagree. There were a few things about it that made me a bit, huh? Well, yeah, yeah. No, there are. There, it was a bit wonky, especially in that last little little patch. But yes, it, it's wonky in the way that Doctor Who episodes are wonky, not. This episode probably needed a couple of rewrites. That's like it's, right. It's just a, it's just a very standard episode of Doctor Who, which felt like a breath of fresh air. It sounds like damning with faint praise, and it kind of is. Like it was just a very good episode. I liked it. Well, can I tell you something? And he might yeah. be mad at me with sharing this, but I actually had a text from Greg from the Smart Enough to Know Better podcast, yes. just saying, "Can you watch the episode first and just let me know when you finish it." <laughs> If I should watch it. And I thought that was so sad because he loves Doctor Who so much. 
Um, he does, and, and he's been struggling this season. He's been struggling with it. And so I was so delighted to be able to tell him, look, I think you'll really enjoy this one. And yes. Alan Cumming is and worth the addition price alone. Absolutely. 100%. What a great performance. Can I can I let you in on a little secret? Greg actually yep. texted me after he watched the episode and said, how great to have a good episode of Doctor Who. <laughs> so... He I was wanted like, to make oh, sure good. we would um, talk about him tonight. <laughs> that's it, exactly, and we did. Um, but no, it was really, it was really good. To, it was really good to have just as just a nice episode of Doctor Who. Like it was, you know, that that they investigate a spooky thing. The spooky thing turns out to be aliens. The Doctor figures out a way to stop them, and everyone moves on. And it was very, very good. I liked it a lot. And you know, the Doctor saved someone or attempted. To. The Doctor wasn't sort of walking away while people are killed. Uh, the <laughs> Doctor was like, actually, uh, this isn't cool, and I'm going to put a stop to it, even yeah. at the risk of my own personal safety or breaking the timeline. If someone is like literally being killed in front of me, I'm going to try to put a stop to that. That felt very that's doctory right. to me. Maybe that's just that's me, right. but like that, that, I feel like that's pretty essential to the character. And then when the Doctor subsequently escaped, because because of course the Doctor would be ar- arrested as a witch. Absolutely. You know, <laughs> it, it, that, that's what should have happened initially, but I guess uh, she did the, the psychic papers thing, um, yes. which I'll get back to because I have a point about that. But, yeah, yeah the, the fact that, you know, the Doctor literally has a magic wand. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> of course had to be dunked. But that's what I wanted to happen. I wanted the doctor just to do a Houdini trick. And then, of course, she gets out and says, ah, well, had a big weekend with Houdini a while back and yeah. learn how to undo locks. And a callback a callback to a John Pertwee story as well, uh, oh, who really? make, make, makes a little reference to that. Oh, did, did John Pertwee have a weekend with Houdini? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, he actually, in a similar situation, he was tied up and he gets out and he says, oh, you know, I spent a weekend with Houdini. Oh. See, I was thinking that they actually did a Houdini storyline because all I could think of was how cool it would be if the Doctor and Houdini travelled around be together. Unfortunately, we've now we've now established that it would have to have been either the first or second Doctors. So <laughs> probably enough. probably can't do that storyline now. But anyway, <laughs> who knows? Wibbly wobbly timey wimey. It's all good. Just get uh, Walter Frey to come back and put on. Yeah, the first exactly. <laughs> get grouchy at Houdini. That works. Yeah, so what did we think of the storyline? So it was the Doctor going back to, I mean, the Pendle Witch Trials was 1612, um, and obviously James was on the throne from 1603. So it's somewhere in that vicinity, uh, 1610, 1615, somewhere around there. And, yeah, James is running around the countryside <laughs> busting witches. Now, he, he <laughs> did, he references going to Berwick um, at one point when he's showing off his box of tricks in how to hunt down. Because he was very serious about hunting witches. He wrote a book about it and everything. He, he and did. They, they show it in the in the episode, which was great. They have the doctor sort of flick open a copy of it in, in Becca's bedroom. And, you know, he did attend those trials, and that, but that was when he was just King of Scotland, not saying just King of Scotland. But I suspect once he went to London – and he became very, you know, obsessed with court life and that sort of thing. Mm. I doubt he probably got out too much around the traps. Um, it did seems quite strange to have, like, the King of Britain and Northern <laughs> Ireland just, just, you know, traipsing about the local countryside. It seemed very strange. That's right. Uh, I think you know, a little bit of uh, flight of little, fancy. A little bit of poetic license there, which is fine because Alan Cummings' uh, King James was easily the high point of the episode and maybe the season. Yeah, just, he was we, so good. Yeah, so good, which is weird because he is hamming it up like a Christmas spread. Like, it's insane. 
he is <laughs> really leaning into it. And except, although having said that, like he does sort of pull it back in at, at a couple of points. Like when, when he and the doctor are having their little face off where she's all tied up uh, and they're sort of talking about the nature of, you know, what he, you know, uh, darkness inside yourself and trying to push out instead of examining it and, and you know, uh, a, a creative and, and questing force within yourself that, uh, you turn to destruction rather than creation. I thought that was really, really interesting and really meaty stuff. And both of them played it pretty straight. Like they, you mm. know, James could have easily been a bit of a, you know, cartoon villain in in that particular moment, but he wasn't. He was very human, very, very human, and a very, a very grounded performance. But then, you know, he then uh, coming then turns it on later on when he's flirting with with Ryan and that sort of thing. Yeah. Like just all that stuff was amazing. <laughs> Just amazing. He just had and, the most brilliant eyes, and he just said so much uh, without saying anything. So um, good, so good. And also, like you know, they they didn't that they danced right up to the line of it, but they didn't make it a gay panic joke, which I thought was very, very, very good. Um, you know, Ryan was a bit taken aback. But I just felt he, he was he re- a bit baffled by the whole thing. Well, exactly. But but you know, in in previous years, he might have you know, reacted a bit, a bit worse, or he might've, you know, it might've been played a bit more for laughs, but they, they don't make it as much of a joke as I think they might have in the past. And I think that's, that's pretty good. I, I like yeah. that a lot, actually. They, they played it, they played it for its awkwardness rather than for its like, you know, Oh, I'm being hit on by a, by a dude. Like it's, it's not really, that wasn't really the point of the, those scenes. Although, you know, just hearing, anything, hearing keep, yeah. If anything, there was – I mean, I'm glad you got a lot out of that speech that he and the doctor had because I felt I felt that was a little – there were another couple of – one that one and there was another little bit where I felt the the whole Jodie Whittaker not that great at exposition kind of clicked mm, in. Yeah, yeah, there, there was and a little that, bit of that, especially at the start of the episode where they, they got out. We, we didn't even get the TARDIS landing scene. We sort of started in media res and they were – they're just walking into the village dressed like they are, which, you know, often isn't a problem in Doctor Who. But, you know, they're just walking into the village and she's like, oh, well, you know, we, we were trying to get to Elizabeth the first coronation, but instead we're, we're here. We overshot it a bit. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and here we are. And this is where this is where we are. And this is the, the year. And this is what must be happening right now. So, you know, and it's just, yeah, just just the clunky exposition affected this episode too but it wasn't enough to sort of take me out of it i was like okay fine they've they've got to say where they are and what they're doing it's all good well for me it was in that speech so okay so my issue stems from historical nerdery Mm. Um, yes (laughs) the way that they the way that they tried to make in jokes i suppose about there are a couple of really good in jokes about james one for me was the fact that he was wandering around wearing a mask because james was super into masks as court entertainment so the m-a-s-q-u-e so these were popular in elizabeth's time but more so in james's time jacobian times and then charles where you had these great big court melodramatic stories where people would wear masks and pretend to be gods and monsters and all that sort of stuff. And often the kings and queens would dress up and take part as well. And they often had ballet in them or singing. They were just crazy big. They were basically like a Baz Luhrmann movie every night at court. <laughs> That's what I'm Fair asking. enough. All colour all colour and movement. That's not right. A lot of plot. So much Leonardo DiCaprio, it's not funny. <laughs> new steps, new steps. <laughs> So true. Um, so that, 
To me, that was a really fun in-joke that James is wearing a mask because he liked the okay. drama. When in I fact, didn't know that. I didn't know that. I didn't know he was a he was a mask wearer. Yeah, well, in, in the sense that these performances always involved people with masks and the kings and queens mm. would often wear them. And it's kind of, I guess, where the masked ball sort of came from, I believe. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, people who were very aware of uh, late medieval history. But um, he so, – so there were some lovely in-jokes like that. And, of course, there were lots and lots of references – well, not lots and lots of references, but several references to his mother – Mm, yes. Who was Mary, Mary, Queen of Mary Queen of Scots. Never named outright. No, they don't. I, I guess that that's probably a bit confusing for <laughs> a bit too much history all at once. Yes, but then they're kind of expecting you to sort of know that the way that they speak about her. But and but also, remember too, like like this is this is for a British audience. So I mean, a lot of these kids, a lot of kids watching would be learning this in school, or they might be about to. And yeah. you know, the general the general the general audience would be a lot more familiar with James and Mary than than perhaps Australian or American audiences would be. Of course, of course. And look, I am a massive nerd, so I was just sitting there. <laughs> oh yeah, he's referring to his father being yeah. He was referring to his father, Lord Darnley, who was murdered um, coincidentally in a gunpowder plot. Funnily enough. Except he, he he worked out what was going on. He heard rustling around the house and said, someone's going to kill me. So he had himself lowered out of a window of this house, like a big manor house, <laughs> um, on a bed sheet, a chair tied to a bed sheet. And they lowered him out the window and he ran off into the garden, but he ran straight into the plotters. And oh, so they no. just like stabbed they, him. Just, like, well, this is a lot more direct. Yeah. <laughs> So they blew up the house or almost blew up the house or there was a fire at the house or whatever, but he didn't die in the explosion. He died because he got stabbed in the garden. The thing was, it's one of those things about history, isn't it? They're trying to make James out to be a bit sympathetic. He doesn't trust anyone because his parents abandoned him or were killed or his, his mother killed his father, all of that sort of thing. But, you know, to go into the history of it, Stu, which, of course, you know I will really want to oh, absolutely. do. absolutely. Yes, please um, do. His father was a drunk he didn't like the fact that Mary ranked higher than he did, even though they were both, I think, great-grandchildren of Henry VII of England, which is why they had the Tudor connection. Yes. Um, so, And they were both Roman Catholics, which is why they married. Um, but he didn't like Mary. He didn't like that she had the stronger claim to the throne. And she didn't particularly like him because he was a drunk. And she had this private secretary who's who was an Italian named Rizzio. I think he was a monk. And everyone reckoned like Darnley and his mates would get drunk and go, oh, it's all this Rizzio's fault. He's he's controlling Mary. So they had um, Rizzio murdered a couple of months Mm. before James was born. Um, And so when, you know, getting back at Darnley was was these plotters who were like, we're going to take revenge on him for, you know, murdering Mary's, you know, very important personal assistant or whatever he was, private secretary. Um, So it was all part of the political game playing. And the other thing was is that that all this talk that they said about, oh, your mother left you and we'll never know why she left you. No, we do know. She was arrested. (laughs) Yeah, in her ongoing war with Elizabeth I. Well, yeah, well, even before that, the the Scots hated her. She was losing popularity in Scotland because Hmm. Scotland was turning um, Protestant and she was Roman Catholic. And so she was falling out of favour. As was James. No, James was... Protestant. Oh, was he? Oh, okay. Yeah, I've completely you... missed that one. <laughs> so this is, and this is what's really, really important to know. Right. James, okay. The reason why James inherited the throne is because he was kept away from Mary, and he mm. was raised as a very hardline Protestant. Of and course. And they were yeah. one. 
the sort of just the precursors to the Puritans who had these much more fanatical kind of ideas about witchcraft and that sort of thing. And the devil. And very similar hats. Yeah, that's right. So they, um, so James never knew his mother and she didn't abandon him, you know, because most kings and queens who had kids at that time, the kids were raised separately. They were kept away and they didn't see their parents all the time. It was just the way things were if you were a royal baby. One of the big reasons was is because of disease, because if the queen died or you were with the queen and she got sick and then you got sick and died, well, that's, you know, that's you done. And boys in particular were taken away and given their own household as soon as they were born. Mm. One of the reasons why Henry VIII is such an interesting case in, in British history is because he was the second son. He was raised with his mother and his sisters And that's one of the reasons often given to why he was so particularly enamoured of women is because he grew up more around women, whereas his Mm. elder brother, Arthur, who was supposed to be the king but died, once he was about seven, he was shipped off to Wales to be the Prince of Wales and educated out there. So it's not unusual for a royal baby to not grow up with their parents. So I I thought it was a bit rich of them using that whole, oh, I was abandoned. He did have a series of regents who went through some fairly, you know, interesting deaths. And he had an interest, you know, he had an interesting life. Certainly that's worth it. And certainly he didn't have a lot of people trying to, to kill him. But he was they were trying to kill him because he was Protestant in the gunpowder plot. The gunpowder plotters were Catholics and he was clamping down on Catholics. And that's why they wanted to blow him up. It was the religious reformation and counter-reformation happening there. So I felt that was a little bit, but again, that's me being a history nerd. You know, it it does and they they need to establish Exactly. And they need to establish James as someone positioned in the middle of this conflict instead of the driving force of it. I mean, he was he was very much the one who whipped up this this witch hunting fever across England. Uh, And, you know, that puts him pretty squarely in the villain camp as far as this episode is concerned. But yeah, emphasis on the word camp. (laughs) Well, yes, exactly. Um, But they, they needed him to be more of a person who could tip either way. So so. You know, he's got the angel and the, and the demon on on either shoulder in the in the doctor and and Lady Savage, uh, you know, sort of saying to him, oh, you, they're all witches, we should kill them, or you know, no, you you shouldn't kill them, you know. So he's sort of set up as this as this conflicted persona rather than the zealot that he was. Yes, and the thing is, is that he did trust people. Like that was one of his issues. He had all these male favourites that he trusted implicitly. Mm. And one of the reasons why his son Charles became so popular is that he took on the Duke of Buckingham, who was James's favourite. Um, and then he became Charles's favourite. So he had people who he trusted. Um, so that was a little bit of a stretch too. But again, I'm being an absolute uh, nitpick about this stuff. <laughs> um, you're right. Like, like, that would be a problem. That that sort of level of, like, revisionism could be a problem in an episode if Alan Cumming wasn't amazing in this role, and, and he is. Yes. Like, just, I cannot say enough good things about him. He he knows exactly when to ham it up and exactly when to dial it back in. Like, we all know yeah. he's a very, very good actor, but he really knocked it out of the park in this one. I loved it. Well, he did have that lovely moment with the Doctor when she was... Because she was rambling a bit about... You know, he's like, how do you know these things? She's like, I know because we're all the same mm. and we all just want certainty or something like that. Uh, that. That was a bit of that exposition thing that I was like, eh. But it ended <laughs> great for me, that scene, when when she said, oh, you're just hiding behind your title. And he said, as are you behind the doctor, perhaps. And I was yes. like, oh, that's very interesting. That yeah, was him throw it back. pointed. And, you know, she had a moment of going, oh, fair point. 
Um, and then they cut away, which I thought was sad. <laughs> I wanted to know more. <laughs> but it's always good. It's always good when the doctor can be challenged like that because the doctor does sort of tend to take the the moral high yes. ground on any issue. And you know, when someone says, "Oh, you know, you're not so clean yourself." Yeah. So uh, a big thread through this episode as well, obviously, given it was about witches, is about the role of women in society. And Hmm. um, obviously old mother Twiston was a healer, which a lot of these women who were persecuted for witchcraft were. Yes. uh, And her granddaughter taking after her. And then you had their cousin who married up, and that was Becca Savage. Quite quite an interesting villainous name, Mistress Savage. (laughs) Mistress Savage. Yeah. Um, who turned out had been infected by this mud because she'd cut down a tree because it obscured her view. It was a little tenuous why she cut down the tree, but okay. Well, it made, it made sense. It was, it was that hubristic sort of, you know, she, yeah. she took over, she she disturbed the local order and was punished for it. Yeah. I thought, what what did you think of the of the villains, like the the actual the monsters in this one? The Morax. The Morax, yes, I was I was searching for their name. Um, I was a little confused by how they worked. Yes, I have to admit. And and I think it's the they're, they're definitely the weak link. I think in the whole episode, and yeah. weirdly they don't tie into the theme of the episode at all. Really, like like because usually the monster will thematically sort of tie in unless it's like a, a legacy monster like the Daleks or something but you know normally like the monster will tie in the- thematically with what the episode is trying to say and these things weren't like witches or, or anything like that they were just they mud were just monsters? random mud monsters that had been hidden for hundreds of thousands billions of years in an English hill which is fine but it just sort of that that that's what stopped this from being like a truly great episode is that the the, the actual monsters themselves and they, they waste time. Like, I I don't need to... If, if they matter that little to the plot, I don't need to know what's actually going on beyond a perfunctory. They're mud creatures. They lived in a hill. The Doctor's going to make sure they go back there. You know, I, I don't I don't need the, the, the big, the big um, you know, supervillain monologue from Rita Repulsa, you know? Yeah. There was a lot of running back and forth, I think, to keep Yaz, Graham and Ryan occupied. Yes, again, yeah, they're trying to find... <laughs> things for all three of them to do yeah they separated at first and yaz was the one who found the mud monster or the the tendril uh mm. or as, as i've called it in my recap the uh, nasty root the <laughs> uh she was the one who found it and they killed it just with a spade she well exactly like, yeah so it's like oh, okay fair enough down with a shovel and then nothing happened. So she ran away and she's got mud on her and the doctor scans her and says, no, it's just mud, nothing nothing strange about it. Mm-hmm. And then they end up following when they go back down there to get a sample and the doctor picks up a little sample. And I'm sorry if I sound confused, it's because I am. So the doctor picked up a sample, which didn't do anything at first and then started like vibrating in the little sample jar. And that's when all the other witches turned up along with, with Willa's granny. And they were like demanding the bit of mud back. So I was like, so is it just yeah. that particular bit of mud, or what about the mud that had been on Willa? Uh, sorry, yeah, exactly. on Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there was a lot of, that didn't make, they, they didn't explain why that wasn't why well, the, the first mud said, wasn't important, but the second one was. Yeah, and the doctor said, "Can I ask, are you just one creature? Uh, are you all one mud creature each, or are you all one entity separated into different bodies?" And then, of course, Willa and Yaz go, oh, Doctor, and she turns around and sees all of these other witches and says, oh, I, I, I'm happy to get – I like to get fast answers. 
But to me, I didn't understand what the answer was. I assumed that they're all different. Yeah, so I'm assuming each body is a different mud creature. Yeah, but they're not a mud creature. They're the Morax. They just have been boiled down to base mud and (laughs) need a host. Yes, exactly. But I just didn't understand why that bit vibrated. I don't understand (laughs) why it was No, I know, exactly, yeah. It It was a little bit confused. Then they then they follow the witches, Ryan, Yaz, and Graham, follow the witches all the way back to the manor house where they go up to Becca's room, get the axe, and then go out again, and then they follow them all the way back down. It was a bit of a fishing expedition to keep them out of the way while the doctor was chained up, I think. I don't I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but the I don't scenes know. were definitely showing in this episode where they, there was there was a bit of of that, and for that exact reason. So the Doctor needs to be accused of witchcraft and chained up while none of the companions are nearby to sort of help her out or, or speak on her behalf. That's right. Um, and so they have to be given something to do, you know, and then, and then they come running back when she's about to uh, be dunked. Uh, yeah. You know, if she weighs more than a duck, she's yeah, a witch. Um, <laughs> and um, and she, does her, she does her Houdini routine, which yeah. honestly, like, there, there was something weird about that because they had just convinced james that she wasn't a witch he was like bring her back up bring her back up and then she's not there and he's like she is a witch and then that, that's never really that's never really followed up on like they they it's it's just confused into how and and also you know, she, it, because if she had drowned if if in that moment he thought she had drowned oh, i suppose he thought she has escaped the he, he thought she had because it, you know not yeah. enough time had passed and she had vanished as far as he was concerned yeah. so she's like oh she is a powerful witch you know, and then it's like, no, 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 she just she escaped. But like, as far as he's, as far as he knows, like, like she's explaining, oh no, I just broke the chains. But he's like, well, that sounds like something a witch would do. Like, I, yes, exactly. It, it exactly. doesn't make any sense. Because they don't know who Houdini is. No, exactly. Yeah, she's going. Yeah, yeah. This this guy who exists chaps. for another couple of hundred years. Um, didn't she use? Was that an Einstein quote at the end, or was it Newton or someone else? Uh, who was uh, sufficiently advanced technology looks like magic. Uh, that's Isaac Asimov. Oh, it's Asimov. Well, it, might, okay. it might be Arthur C. Clarke. Oh, God, I've, I've mixed that up now. I think it well, might be Arthur C. Clarke. Someone who clearly yeah. James would not have known. No, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but, um, yes, yeah, so there were a few little things, bits and bobs like that in the episode where I was like, I'm confused. Why is this happening? And also, Becca, um, a bit of her motivation seemed to I guess she was fanatical because she'd been infected and well, well that that works for me. But, but I wish I wish that they had sort of made that the central conflict rather than have these aliens be personified because you have this person who considers herself to you know who has obviously risen above her station and feels like you know maybe feels a bit of imposter syndrome and and feels like she you know needs to like crack down on this community to make sure they know she's in charge and then. You know, she suddenly, you know, for her hubris of cutting down this tree, um, she's suddenly infected with what she believes to be a demon, you know. And so in an effort to sort of push any sort of suspicion away from herself, she starts yeah. accusing everyone of being witches, you know. And it's it's that it's central. It's one of the central themes of the episode is, you know, yeah. people, people use their own. They push their own darkness and project it outwards to other people. Yeah, um, yeah which I thought was really powerful, but the episode didn't really, it was a bit muddled on that. Like, like you know, they had, that that was obviously Becca's conflict and, and the Doctor and, and James talk about it explicitly. Yeah, and Willa being scared. And, and Willa being scared and, and she overcomes that. Yeah. But, and Yaz saying, well, I got bullied at school and it was really yeah, horrible, but I stood up right. to her. I was so glad they had Willa say, 
I can't stand up to her. She'll have me tried as a witch. <laughs> She'll have me tried and killed. I know exactly. Yeah, that, yeah. that was that actually was a really was... good thing. I'm so glad you said that. The stakes are a little bit different. Like I'm, I'm sad that kids get bullied in the 21st century, but but they, uh, they will literally kill me. Yeah, will literally kill me just because I happen to have some potions in my house, like some herbs, and they will kill me. So what you're saying essentially is one of the major themes of the episode was smelt it, dealt it. <laughs> exactly. Beck is like, yes. it's all my fault, so I've got to just blame everyone else. That's right, exactly. They clearly did not smell the Delta back in Lancashire, early 17th century. This is a bit suspicious, isn't it? Yeah, Methinks the lady not the test. (laughs) But that's the thing, because by the time the episode starts, they've killed 36 people. Yeah. And she says (laughs) she's willing to wipe out the village if that's what it takes. And it's like, that's insane. Well, no like one's going to know if she's infected if uh, they if don't exist. If there's no one left. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but it's just, it's like, she's a she's a bad person, Natalie. I don't know whether we can <laughs> we can say that. And I, I feel like the episode, you know, she she gets her come up and it's like, like via James. But James is like, I banish you, witch. You know, and, and Yeah, and once again, goes. the doctor, once again, the doctor was like, ugh, all huffy at James for killing her. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, like I feel she's like she's been killing people. She's tur- for all he knows, she's turned into a devil in front of him. That's right. Yes, with her weird <laughs> tree mud face. Like, give the guy a break. You just well, been talking was... about darkness. Yeah, but exactly. You're now going, huh? I was going to rehabilitate her, but how were you going to rehabilitate her? She'd been infected. Like the whole army was going <laughs> to come back. Exactly. Yeah. If you didn't, if that, if James didn't do what he what he did. That wasn't going to go well for anyone there. But actually, that that reminds me of, of something interesting that I thought about the episode, which was that um, the Doctor in this episode seemed weirdly unwilling to be deceptive, if that makes sense. Like, when she arrived, she didn't say, oh, I, I um, you know, I'm a powerful, like, holy woman or something, and I can, I can drive back witches with, you know, re- relics that I have. Or so, you know, something to explain away the fact that she has, like, a sonic screwdriver and knows yeah. about all this stuff and all that sort of thing. She just sort of bundles in and goes, yep, no, psychic paper says something. Okay, great, that'll do. Uh, off we go. Whoops, not really, not really, didn't really work. Now it's backfired on me. You know, like, like it just seemed weirdly unfocused for the Doctor, the, a Doctor who is normally 12 steps ahead of, of everyone else. I feel like well, I, yeah I thought that that was possibly to serve the interesting thing that happened one of my favorite bits of the episode was mm. the difference in how people read the psychic paper yes that so was the very fact, interesting the fact that Becca read it and went oh you're the witch finder general because when I saw that I went there's no way she'd believe a woman was the witch finder general there's no way <laughs> That just wouldn't happen. So when James came in and looked at it and went, which find his assistant? And she's like, uh, no, I'm, I'm the boss. No, girl, slip of a lassie. No. <laughs> and I went, oh, thank God, because that's just not what have happened. First of all, again, to be nitpicky, I think the title of which finder general is not a real one. It was more an assumed title, like a Yes, and also styled. It, uh... I think I think it came it came later than James like, like it was yeah. it was later on yeah yeah it was uh, more civil war era but the yeah the the nitpicking aside there's no way yeah of course it was men putting these women on trial like there's no way that someone like James could have seen a, a woman as being able to you know diagnose witchcraft um yeah it just wouldn't have happened so I was really delighted at that conflict that reflects 
you know, to me that made it very interesting that Becca obviously being a woman in charge, her husband's died, she's now the leader of the local village. Exactly, yeah. Even though she's not dealing with it very well, she sees another <laughs> woman as her equal and right. immediately goes, yep, no, you will be the witch finder and I'll seed command to you. That's right. Contrast well, that with the James, yeah. who's super camp. And, and this is the interesting thing that they possibly could have played about with a bit more with James, but I guess family show, maybe it becomes a bit harder. But James, clearly, he's one of the best known sort of, I guess, queer kings, certainly of Britain. Obviously, like many monarchs, you know, he had a wife and many children, but he clearly had lots of male favourites. So, you know, bisexual, I guess, or, or like they all were, they had to, you know, they had to do it with their wives if they wanted heirs. Yeah, so they had to, yeah, they had to do that. Um, but yes, bisexual or gay. And the episode really did play with that in a in a great way. But it considering, you know, if he's saying thou shall not suffer a witch to live, you know, James would know his Leviticus as well. So it'd be interesting to see that conflict. Well, he or, certainly knows he certainly knows his Ezekiel. Yes, that's right. So he would know those kinds of things as well. And and um and, and the potential for sort of conflict about that or whether he just didn't give a shit. What I liked about <laughs> it, well, what I liked about it is that it's like gay or bi or not, he was still a man of his time and he was a misogynist. Well, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> he, he couldn't comprehend a woman being in the position of power, so he defaulted to, to Graham and then to Ryan because he saw him as a sexual, you know, object. Yes, his Nubian prince, come and be my protector in London. <laughs> <laughs> I wish Ryan had said something very, a little bit good. more defiant to that. I, I wish he'd sort of said like, mate, you're going to go, you know, I don't trust you. You, you go through, you go through blokes. Look at Alphonse. You know, he just had Alf, Alf, let Alphonse die. But <laughs> Ryan just said, I've got things to do, you know. Like I really wish Ryan had said something a little bit more declarative, like, hey, maybe you should stick by someone for a while. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's so right. Just, I've seen how you treat people and I don't trust you. I think that would have been a nice little thing. Give Ryan a little bit more heft back at James. And probably would have done because otherwise the, the episode is very leaves James in a very, very cheery place, you know, and he'll go on to persecute more witches. Like, like the, the, oh, the witch. yes, no. He mostly goes on to commission expensive art. Well, that's, that's true. Mostly what that's he true. did, and, ha- and be so obsessed with the divine right of kings that would inevitably lead <laughs> to the splitting of his country. That's right. But you know, he was long dead by then. But <laughs> it's yeah. So I, th- I wish it would be nicer to give a little bit more something to to Ryan. He felt a bit like the passenger for me this episode. Graham again yeah. had some nice moments. He was the one who said to you know Becca Savage like, "Well, are you a good person?" Mm. You're killing all these people, but for, for what? And yeah, exactly. he was the one who, who who said, you know, we have a very flat team structure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a great line. And, and, and you know, and the, the crazy thing is that they do. Like the Doctor, this was the first episode where the Doctor really seemed to take charge in a way that I haven't seen before too much from some of the other episodes. Uh, yeah. You know, like the, doc, the Doctor was leading the action from the get-go. Like she saw someone about to be dunked. She jumped yeah. in to, to save her, and it all kicked off from there. Um, whereas in a lot of the other episodes, the Doctor really has been hanging back and letting and letting the companions take a lot of the initiative too. Like not not necessarily telling them what to do, although she does do a lot of that. But like the companions will say, "What if I go over here?" And she'd be like, "Great idea, awesome." Whereas like in the past, like you know, the Doctor would be saying to his one or two companions, "You do this, quick, go over there, go over there, I need yeah. you to do this." 
you know, and he'd be directing traffic a lot more. Whereas like, you know, Jodie Whittaker's doctor has been a lot more sort of, you know, we're a team, we're a family. Like we're all, we're all hanging out. Like it's all good. So well, to see her sort of take charge this episode was actually really exciting. Cause I was like, yeah, the, the doctor's doing doctory things. Yeah. And I mean, there was still a bit of that cause Yaz was the one who said, I'm going to go after Willa. I want to know more about her. That's true. Um, yeah. Which is a bit of that cop instinct, hopefully coming through. Um, and then Graham was the one who was like, look, I've been on the Pendle Witch's Walk and there's no mention of this village. Like it has not come down through history. So something's mm. happened here. So he's the guy with a little bit of the, the you little know, historical tidbit. Yeah, just got the, 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 the knowledge. He's the one who recognises where they are. He's the accent. He's very observant. He's, I guess he's maybe the Sherlock Holmesian crossed with Dr. Watson-y type character. <laughs> You know, yeah, and did, he had that lovely line too, because Jodie Whittaker was like going, God, it is a hard time for women. If you're not being drowned, you're being patronised to death. And then Graham's <laughs> like, well, to be fair, you are snooping. <laughs> but I really liked that little exchange. That was very that nice. That was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, but um, the, the bit that I, did, I thought was a little bit drawn out, the other bit of ex, uh, exposition that I thought was slightly drawn out was when the doctor realises that the tree, the dunking tree, was the same tree as the lock tree and then yes. delivers sort of the speech about how it, it's a lock and it has biometric security in it or something. And then she says this line like, calculations, this is like Semtex to the Morax. It, it will stop them something, something. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. when did you have time to do according? Like according to my calculations is just so naff. Like I, it yeah. was, and it's that whole like really structured way of speaking, whereas I feel like she could have just sonicked it and gone, if I'm right, this is like Semtex to Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's the thing. Like yeah, it's sick about the way she's saying it, which is bugging me now that you totally. brought it up. Yeah, yeah. And, and like like a lot of the <laughs> sorry to kill your enjoyment of this series. No, but... not at all. Not at all. It's just I hadn't really noticed it until you pointed it out. And so ever since I've really noticed it, and there are some really clunky turns of phrases. That's that right. either, I, I wonder yeah. how much of that is in the writing and, and how much previously was in the writing and in the performance. Whereas, you know, because Technobabble is a pain to deliver as an actor. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're if you've got a big long speech with a bunch of made up words in it, like it can really tie you in knots. And so, you know, it's hard. It's hard to deliver. And a lot of actors struggle with it. And I I think in the past, I wonder how much of the techno babble the previous doctors have sort of taken and made to sound a bit more natural and whether Jodie Whittaker just maybe isn't very good at that. She, she's not good at taking what's written and maybe tweaking, you know, just tweaking that phrasing just a little. Instead mm. of saying, according to my calculations... Just saying, if I'm right about this. Yeah, there's just something, but I feel like the directors too could be, I don't know, working with her or Chris Chibnall Mm. as the showrunner, just sort of smoothing out that slight awkward gear grinding. But again, maybe that's all the settling into the character. You know, it's like the old manor house itself. It settles at night. The creaks are there. (laughs) You have to kind of oil the floorboards or whatever you have to do. Yes, um, but we're up to we're, this is episode seven or eight, eight now. This is eight. This is episode eight. eight. So I mean, we we've got two more episodes. Like there, we we should be well and truly settled into the characters now. I, I mean, I feel like we are. I kind of know what I'm going to get with all of them, and it's not hugely inspiring. But <laughs> that's really negative. No, 
<laughs> that sounds really negative, but I think, and we talked with this last week with Nick, and I really mm. think his theory about the toxic masculinity is 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 paying out, paying oh, yeah. out, paying off, paying dividends. Um, because again, we had the sort of the the view of women as incapable, or easily seduced by witchcraft, and only a powerful, knowledgeable man able to stop it and bring salvation. And this this one was the episode focused on women where the doctor as a female character said, God, it's a tough time for women. We're either being drowned or we're being patronized to death. Like yeah, it was, um, that's right. It's we, she, she puts herself firmly in, in the, in the yeah. female camp. And then she also has that speech, you know, this never would have happened when I was a bloke, you know, like if I, you know, everyone would just would have taken me at face value. This is a lot harder yes. now. Yes, that's right. And I think that, was a, a, a lovely moment of, oh, I used to just be able to walk around. And this is maybe the privilege episode. Like I used to just be able to walk around and say this isn't right. Yeah. Um, and, and you know what? I Believe I, me. I, but were they believing me because I was right or were they believing mm. me because I was a man and they afforded me a certain level of respect that they're not affording me now? That's right. And, and to be honest, I thought we would be dealing with that particular specific theme a lot sooner than we do. Like, like they really seem to have breezed into it, like, you know, quite quite well-intentionally. They, they want to sort of blow past the fact that the Doctor's a woman now and just go, no, 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 it's just the Doctor. Like, this, this is still the Doctor. On we go. But in doing that, they haven't really examined the fact that the Doctor's a woman now. And that that means something, mm. you know, and it means something for us as viewers and in the broader culture, but it also means something very specifically in universe, which is yeah. situations like this where, where the doctor is going to approach things perhaps differently, but also the, it will she will have different results than when she was a man. Yeah. I mean, because men were accused of witchcraft. Of course they were. Well, that's right. Yeah, but yeah. The numbers were much, much smaller. So the likelihood of someone like the doctor being accused of being a witch Probably still high because he's a magic man with a box and a magic wand. But at the same time, there would have been some sense of deference or authority or equal treatment, whereas James had no respect for the doctor from the word go, just going, oh, even this slip of a girl. And Mm. when when she said, oh, well, it's clever if you use set a woman to catch a woman. Uh, which is a play exactly. on to catch oh, a yes. He's like, oh yes, using your natural instinct for gossip. She's like, oh, <laughs> you know, the only way you can succeed is because you're able to exploit all of your natural flaws. Mm, exactly. Um, so, I, look, I think that maybe they were in a rock and a hard place with that whole topic of how much do you press the differences of the doctor being a man or a woman because if you had started off with that really early like what you're a woman ah then you would have had a lot of maybe the haters go oh that's all we're going to deal with this season is the doctor's a woman (laughs) i don't care if the doctor's a woman just move on with the story so maybe they tried to take it the other way around which was let's just move on and have the doctor being the doctor and then eventually we'll drop in some of these interesting topics a bit of a frog boiling in the hot water pan of the you know the metaphor I mean. Yes, frog, exactly. Frog saucepan, turn up the heat, yeah. doesn't realise it's boiling. <laughs> All a load of crap apparently because it would realise it's getting hot in there and try to jump out. I don't know. The metaphor still works. Exactly. So, so yeah, I, I think um, you, you're right. Although I, I, I would say that, like, the show was always going to get people criticizing it and it has like it's it's had like a bunch of and to this to this day like you look on on the the doctor who hashtag on twitter there's still people watching the episodes and then going on twitter afterwards and and just saying about how they hate the show now because like the doctor's a woman and stuff it just doesn't make any sense to me but anyway we, we, we should not we should not give those people uh any more of our thoughts but but i'm just saying like there's there's no avoiding that so why wouldn't you just knock that on the head 
and and deal with it before now. But but as you say, like like that they have sort of eased into it a bit, which maybe was for the best. But it was just, I, I felt like that line in particular, oh, this never would have happened when I was a bloke, right? And there was a line in uh, Demons of the Punjab when uh, she says, you know, oh, oh, I've never done this before. Like, I've always been a man. But but it's that they sort of gloss right over that line in that episode, whereas this this episode, that, that was one of the central themes is that, you know, how women and men are uh, treated differently. I am intrigued to know whether this episode... There hasn't been a lot of arc building, story building with this season. They really have been quite, um, unless we're going to get that with episode nine and episode 10, they might be a bit more joined together. But there hasn't been that sense of building towards something like the bad wolf or the. Well, Saxon and this is the thing. Like, I. Thing. Yeah, I, I I deliberately haven't been looking beyond like the previews for the next episode. So I don't, I don't know what's coming up in the next sort of I, I i saw the preview for next week but i don't know what's coming up in the finale and and how would we feel if they just it's just an episode and there's no cliffhanger and there's no cliffhanger or it's just another episode and they finish like can, can mm. we do that well what was that villain this is how bad the, i am the stenza what? the stenza, the stenza. Is like, yeah so they were kind of dropped in the second episode. That's right, and then never mentioned again. Had heard them mentioned again, and then we've had the Morak, which kind of sounds like a Doctor Zeus villain. Now that I'm thinking about it, <laughs> we are the Moraks. We're trapped in the trees. Yeah, <laughs> please come and get us. Release us. Be free. <laughs> My Doctor Zeus rhymes are terrible, but it's it's Moraks all the way down. Uh, Pendle. Uh, yeah, and then, so the, and then Crasco, you know, like got zapped into the past by Ryan, into the distant past by Ryan, probably murdered, but maybe not. We we thought he'd be back. Haven't seen yeah. him, but we still got two episodes. Who knows? There's been no sense of menace about the show, unless there is something like that's going to happen to Graham given what we've talk, been talking about, that he, he has another successful career and may only do the one series. Yeah. Uh, and has maybe his cancer will come back or he'll stop travelling with them to get his cancer treated on again. But you'd think the doctor could just take him to some far-off planet that's conquered cancer and just have him well, cured. You would, yeah. you, would, you would assume. You would assume that, but I don't know. Um, but, yeah, so I, I'm 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 – a bit agnostic as to what we're going to face next because I sort of think this episode could have been put up much earlier. Like this could have been episode three. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Rosa Parks. Yeah. And it, maybe it would have been better there. Yeah, to I sort of know. give people a, a sense of oh, they're, they're not all they're not all like clunky and weird, even though we've spent a lot of time sort of nitpicking this episode. But we have to go for things. We had to go looking for things to sort of criticise it on. Because ultimately, yeah, it like, still... it's a very decent middle-of-the-road Doctor Who episode. Yeah, and there which, was again, a bad guy in the sense that there was a human who was infected, but that happens a lot in Doctor Who. Absolutely. And it turns out there was an alien presence that was there mucking everything up. Exactly. Literally, because it was mud. Um, but <laughs> I, I, I sort of wonder why place it here. Was it just to build excitement about Alan Cumming? Um, could that have been a swap to have to have this earlier and yeah and, and i mean like i have the I, I was i was thinking like would the would the companions have have gelled as much by now but then they're fine I honestly, like, like i mean yeah there, I there's, there's nothing in this anything different mm. about the way they interacted to the way they interacted in the in the in the um uh, 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 montgomery bus strike one Rose the yeah that's been that's been very static and, and it's been 
And it's interesting, actually, because when you think about it, um, the first, I think, five episodes were either written or co-written by Chris Chibnall. And then uh, six, seven and eight were not. And so that's when all the continuity stuff really kind of dropped away a little. Uh, yeah, well, there was a bit of flirting between Yaz and Ryan in the Rosa Parks episode, like yeah. a bit, like a yeah. tiny bit. And that's the only thing that I can think of because there's no – the last few episodes, they haven't been flirting. They're just mates who are all in the TARDIS with the Doctor. Hmm. Um, they're not yeah, – There's if, no there's if, no chemistry there. If the Doctor did an episode next week without Ryan and Yaz, I probably wouldn't miss them. And that's no, horrible that's... to say. If she well, did an episode it's... without Graham, I'd probably miss him more. And I feel terrible saying yeah. that because um, – but they just – they're not doing things – Yaz is doing a bit of cop stuff. She used a cop training last week and she went off in search of Willa and beat down That's a right. nasty route. Beat off a nasty route. That sounds a bit cut up only. Uh, but there's really nothing that I saw in their relationship having developed from the last five episodes from Rosa Parks. No, I, I agree. And, and it's interesting because, like, I originally, I originally said that I, I think Yaz is the Doctor's companion. And I, I still think that to a certain degree. I think that the show treats it like that. But it, it's interesting to have that dynamic with Graham, where normally the Doctor is an older, not not necessarily old, but an older man with a young female companion. That that has traditionally been the the pairing. And he is the natural inversion, where the Doctor is now a young woman, and he's the old man, uh, the old male companion. So it's interesting that that's the one that seems to have clicked so well. Whereas I, I initially sort of pegged that Yaz was like the primary companion and, and Ryan and Graham were like the the, the, the sidekicks. And I, I don't know whether that's still the case. I think Graham might be the companion and Yaz and Ryan are the, are the sidekicks. Mm, yeah, it's interesting. I, I'm not quite sure where I sit on it, mm. but I'd be interested to see if over the next two episodes, if they bring back the Stenza or the Morax or the... I mean, I don't think they can bring back the Morax. The Morax are trapped back in Pendle Hill. Unless they go back to Sheffield and suddenly they've gotten out in the year 2018 and they go back. <laughs> yes, exactly. I mean, next week seemed to be set in Norway or something like that. Yeah, yeah. So, And and was it contemporary? I, I couldn't get a firm grasp on. I'm pretty sure it, it was it in the past. Really, it didn't really give much of an idea. No, but possibly yeah. Ice Monsters. I'm not sure what the, what the monster's going to be. Yeah, who knows? But, um, yeah, that, that was it, it was a weird... It said something about hungry. Like, something makes me hungry. That's interesting. I feel, like, I feel like I'm ending this on a down note, and I really did no, enjoy I <laughs> And I don't... Well, we've spoken the whole time about things that we disliked about it, except for Alan Cumming, who was amazing. Um, oh, but it was, so it was just a really good, it was just a really good episode. Like it had a, it had a bit of clunky stuff. And I think the, the aliens were a bit perfunctory and their reveal at the end was a bit tacked on. But having said that, like you could say the same about a lot of very, of very uh, fine Doctor Who episodes. Like there was yeah. nothing in this, in, in this, in the way that a lot of episodes in this series have undermined themselves and just been very weird failures. This episode was not a failure. It was a very standard episode of Doctor Who, which at this point in the season is a breath of fresh air. I know it's a bit sad, isn't it? That like standard is now like brilliant when it's actually yeah, just that's right. standard. But I think that it was a lot of fun to watch and didn't undermine itself like the last few have done. Exactly. You know, yeah. It didn't have the whole message of capitalism is great. Sort of <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, or, or um, you know, this episode was like other episodes of the 
of the series, it would have turned out that actually persecuting witches is a good thing. Yeah. Like like that that, that would have been the, the trap that this episode had fallen into somehow. That that bizarre like labyrinthine yes. not trying trying to sort of do the not obvious thing. It's like oh actually. Yeah. Uh, you know, persecuting the witches was good because they were all bad. What? 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 Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> so instead, like, it's just, nope, nope, they're scary aliens. Like, that's that's yeah, fine. scary no aliens trapped in a hill. And, it, and, again, it means that people can go, you know, touring around Lancashire and go, oh, that's where the Morocks are. Ooh, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's It'll right. bring in a bunch of extra tourists to the Pendle walking tour, so they'll be happy with that. <laughs> Yes, well done. Well done to the Lancashire Tourism Board. Yeah, that's right. They're just swimming in cash now for next summer. <laughs> we have to work out what from this episode is going to inspire us for Jefferson Starfish. Because, of course, Nick last week gave us all of those great ideas for oh. Volcano, the disease that takes over, the the press ganging into travelling the world. Well, There's so right. much there. Where did um, we land on whether Jefferson Starfish was like a good guy or a bad guy? I don't know that we fully landed on it. I feel like we, he certainly misunderstood. Because could could he be trying? We, we could think that he was the bad guy, but actually he's trying to stop this race of like mud monsters that have crawled out of the the ruins of Krakatoa. Mud monster. Okay, so we're going to get the villain from the mud as well. Yeah, let, let's get that. So it's like lava mud. Yeah, like or, or, yeah, or, or lava monsters. We could go lava monsters. Well, I mean, maybe they're they're monsters. Like they look like mud, but then they fire up and they're lava when they move True. or something. Oh, there we go. That's good. I don't know. I don't know. Lava, mud, lava. Because lava obviously turns into well, it turns into rock. It doesn't really turn into lava, uh, into mud. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, is there anything from the witchcraft or the witchiness? No, well, what about Alan Cumming? Maybe maybe a character like Alan Cumming is in there. Alan Cumming has to play someone in our story. Well, he Should can we play a long lost descendant of James the First. Yes, that's a good idea. <laughs> a Blackadder style. Yes. Well, who was, I mean, the Stuarts had kind of died out by that. Well, they had died out, but well, obviously it was, it was the Victoria. royals can trace. Yeah, I know, and they can all trace it back, but infinitesimally small. You and I are probably more closely related to James I than Queen Victoria was. <laughs> um, all right, so Alan Cumming will be in it at some point. Yes. How we... <laughs> We're shooting for the moon with that one, but. <laughs> well, we, maybe the character can be called Alan Cumming. Yes, okay. Yeah, fair Someone enough. Someone else. Do. He, is, he really is so good, though. He had he's, such... He's so good. He's so charismatic on screen, and he just said so much with his eyes mm. that... There, there, was, there was a lot of eye-waggling in this episode, which I quite enjoyed. Yeah, and it was... It could have it could have gone over into whoops, Vicar, there go me trousers, but it well, wasn't... Exactly, it yeah. Was... The fact that he went so hammy, and yet it didn't... It never got old, and never, it, it never seemed like over the top. Movie. Yeah. So I think that will be, yeah. Especially, especially, especially when he's showing Ryan his pricker. Yes, he was literally pulled it out and went. Now we're going to have some fun. Like, <laughs> have some fun. <laughs> I mean, the the, the symbolism was uh, not um, subtle. <laughs> <laughs> it's great stuff. I love it. Uh, all right. Well, um, thank you to everyone for listening. Hopefully the Skype, I'll be able to stitch this together so it sounds okay. <laughs> we don't have a song, though. Maybe I'll get a – because Alan Cumming obviously is a fantastic singer, so maybe I'll get a clip of Alan Cumming singing something to go out on. Yes, okay, fair enough. I saw him live here a couple of years ago. He did a show called Alan Cumming Sings Sappy Songs, um, <laughs> which was very good, and he sang in French and – Oh, he's so talented. Like he's, he's just a very yeah, very talented guy. 
he is just one of those all-rounders who can do everything. And, I mean, I hate him for that, but also you can't hate him because he's <laughs> Alan Cumming. Uh, yeah, we'll get a bit of Alan Cumming to sing, so play the theme music now. And we'll be back next week for more Doctor Who. I'm going to start writing this episode that we're putting together. <laughs> get some, some strands of story together. That's right. And, yeah, we will return for more Doctor Who in a week. We promise. Raven on, I should say. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and if I've sounded really tired, I am quite tired. And I'm, I'm right so there with you. Uh, yeah, well, you have a baby. That's legitimate. But I had my show last week, and it just exhausted me in a great way, like in a really happy way. And thank you to what? anyone. In a, in a sold-out runway. In a sold-out runway. Hooray. Yes, that was very, very happy. happy. But, uh, yeah, it was this just is, a... This is all over uh, Alan Cumming theme music, by the way. Yes, good point. Well, I'll have it, I'll have it on low, and I'll pump it up now. <laughs> okay. Hey. Hey, there he is. Unless the Skype thing has to work, in which case we're just dealing with the voices. We'll soon find out. Um, thank you so much, Stu. We will talk again next week, and fingers crossed, we will have a couple more episodes to go out with on a high. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully, hopefully they're all uh, as good or better than this one, which uh, isn't a high bar, but uh, that's the bar we've got. <laughs> we will see you all next week. See you then. Bye.